you're new with us, I'm Jay. I'm the lead pastor, and uh, we're just excited uh, to be able to get together here uh, in God's house and to uh, to worship Him, to celebrate, to to be challenged and changed by the Word of God, and uh, and really to connect to Him together uh, as a church family. And um, and we're going to start a series today uh, called Hot Topics. It's called Hot Topics, and uh, we're going to examine some tough topics that, uh, that people inside and outside of the church often think about that we don't really even ask out loud, maybe. Uh, we, might, we might. We might say them in some ways, but, um, but, you know, there are some hard questions today in the world in which we live that don't have easy answers. Uh, there, there's not a lot of easy answers for it, but Scripture helps us to navigate uh, with with wisdom, with with grace, with intelligence uh, through some of these hot topics, through some of these uh, tough questions. And so, let me say something out loud right here at the outset that is uh, that's not often said, and it's not said enough, quite frankly, in in church settings. And it is this: it is okay to ask questions. It's okay to ask questions. <laughs> I, I would agree with that, right? Um, whether you're here, whether you're watching online, listen. It's okay to ask questions. In fact, the church in, in many ways was, um, was almost built on that in a lot of ways. If you look at a lot of Jesus' teaching, if you look at um, uh, many things throughout Scripture, it was, it was built on questions. Jesus answered a lot of questions, and he asked a lot of questions as well. And we shouldn't steer away from questions or hot topics. We shouldn't steer away from it, but unfortunately, we, we do. Um, but we need to look at the reason that we engage with hot topics and the reason that we engage with questions. We are in a society, we are in a time now where we can engage through social media and various other ways of communication. Um, and there's times where maybe we shouldn't. Um, and there's times where we do and we take advantage of those opportunities maybe a little too much and, and we're not maybe asking the right questions before we engage. And I'm not saying we shouldn't engage, but we need to engage in the right way. And I think we need to ask some questions about why we're going to engage even before we do. For example, do we even have the knowledge <laughs> to properly engage in a question or did we just do a quick Google search and think that we know what we're talking about? <laughs> How does this affect the kingdom if I'm going to engage in this question? How does this affect the kingdom of God if I engage in this negatively or positively? Um, what does God think about this question before I engage with my opinion, maybe my church opinion about it? What does God think about this? How does God think about this? That's another question to ask. Not just what does God think about, how does God think about that question? We like to say our mission as followers of Jesus here at Connect Church is to connect people to Christ, community, and purpose. But let's not sidestep the fact that in the year of our Lord, 2022, in which we live, connecting with people requires us to talk about tough questions. If we're going to connect with people in this day and age in which we live, it requires us and yeah, I'm saying that that blunt and bold, it requires us to talk about tough questions, but we need to engage in those for the right reasons and the right ways and with the right perspective. And so we're gonna address some tough questions each week over the course of the summer. 
This is really what's going to take us through a um, through majority of the summer. I'm going to have some help from Pastor Travis and from Pastor Larry over the course of this uh, series. Um, but let me, I guess, weigh into really quickly something that is um, in many ways helping to answer a tough question that we're not going to get into specifically um, throughout this series. There is an event coming up uh, in June uh, that I'm proud to be a part of called Seeking Understanding the State of the Black Church in Akron. And while this may evoke some things in your mind of some tough questions, absolutely, um, that's there, all are invited to this event at the Akron Public Library. Um, I'm a part of the group that's helping to put this together with the One City Movement that is attached to Love Akron, which is a conglomerate of a bunch of churches um, and, and church leaders that are coming together to, to bring understanding to some different tough topics that we need to. If we're going to connect and have unity as the body of Christ, we need to seek understanding in some different areas. And we're beginning with, uh, with this topic. Um, and so for us to gain understanding about our brothers and sisters in Christ um, and what they are going through so that we can actively and collectively be more effective as the body of Christ that's really what an event like this is for. It's not for maybe some of the things that you may be thinking that evoke some questions in your mind when it comes to this. It's in fact the complete opposite. We're not going in hoping to walk out with answers. We want to seek understanding. And that's really what this is about. And everybody is invited to this. Everybody's invited to be a part of this. And I'm proud to be a part of this. But this is right, right from the get-go. I want to throw this out that this is a part of connecting with people that requires us to talk about tough questions. Because if we are going to connect with people <clears throat> for the kingdom of God and the world in which we live, we have no choice. Either that or we're not going to be effective for the kingdom of God. And so some of the questions that we're going to look at over the next call it seven to eight weeks, something like that. How can we trust the Bible? How can we trust the Bible? How about this one? If Christians really love Jesus, why is there so much hurt in the church? We're going to be talking about that one next week. What's the relationship between science and faith? A lot of times people think that, um, that science and faith do not you know, or do this when in, in fact it's the opposite. They, they actually do this. I'm excited to talk about that one. That's a question that I said, no, I'm taking that one. And that's in, that's in a few weeks for sure because I love that kind of that stuff. Um, why is there suffering and evil in the world? If God is so good, this is one of the biggest questions from people who are non-believers or skeptics of the faith. This, in, in fact, I believe this is number one. If God is so good and a God of love, why is there suffering and evil in the world? There are a lot of people that you connect with every single day that aren't followers of Jesus that have that question. We're gonna dive into that. Why does it seem like the church just wants my money? We're gonna talk about that. Um, is Jesus really the only way? In a pluralistic world in which we live in where However you feel is, is a good way for you to, to find God. How can we say that Jesus is the only way? We're going to dive into that. And we can't be afraid to talk about these questions and engage in them. And some of these questions have deeper questions underneath that we're going to get into as well. And so that's going to happen um, as we dive through these. And some of these questions may be reworded by the time we get to them. But and these certainly are not even close to all of the hot topic questions. Um, we could probably go for like three years on hot topics, quite frankly. But we're going to dive into some of these. We're going to engage in them. But we can't be ignorant when we do it. 
As believers, we cannot be ignorant when we engage into hot topics with people because there's too much at stake. Eternity is at stake. And so we can't be ignorant about it. So let me start this series with, with a passage that really sets the tone for all of this. And it's in 2 Timothy. If you have your Bibles or your Bible app, um, you can certainly follow along, find Connect Church in Akron, Ohio, and follow along with me. And there, there's only a couple of passages of Scripture we're going to look at today. Um, but this is really a main one that sets the precedent for all of it as we move forward. And here's what Paul says to Timothy. But as for you, continue in what you have learned, and have become convinced of. That's interesting, right? Because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, which means right living, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So this is really setting up everything for where we're going to go over the course of the summer here. Because in this passage, Paul is writing to Timothy, who's his young protege. And he's just finished telling Timothy, if you read the passages before this, about uh, the times that they live in and how difficult they are and how they're going to get worse and that people are going to become more selfish and, and more arrogant and more greedy and more brutal and, and less concerned about God and his ways and more concerned about themselves and the way that they think that they should go, that they'll pretend to be godly, but instead they'll really just do what they want and feed into their own desires. Does this sound familiar? Does it sound like the world in which we live in in many ways? At the same time, can we be honest and look in the mirror and say that maybe in times it sounds like us? Let's be honest. Paul tells Timothy that he's different and that we need to be different. He's watched Paul's life. He's watched his faith. He's watched his struggles. Um, he sees that a life of faith is going to be difficult, but that God is good. And that God is good and that he can... He can really have confidence in what he's been taught since he's been young and, and that scriptures helped him become wise and, and to be able to preach salvation through Jesus because of it. And he says that scripture is breathed out by God. And this is an important thing to look at right at the outset. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching. All of those things right there. It's an important thing. It is the path that God uses to bring us to understanding and instruction and discipline and correction and growth. And so let me kind of narrow it down this way. If we're going to, going to engage in hot topics and engage in questions with people, that knowing the Bible equips us. Knowing the Bible equips us. We need to start there in knowing the Bible and knowing the word of God, right? If we're going to be able to address these hot topics and these hard questions that turn into messy situations sometimes and come out on the other side as followers of Jesus, then we have to begin with the scriptures. We have to begin with scripture. Knowing scripture equips us so that our life can align with God's will. But knowing the Bible, the phrase knowing the Bible, that's kind of a broad term. That's kind of a broad phrase. We know that Satan knows the Bible. We know that his demons know the Bible. We know that. And so just to say we need to know the Bible, there, there's a big difference here because there's a lot of people in the world that are skeptics that know the Bible, but do they trust the Bible? Do they live out what the Bible says? We can Google anything, but that doesn't mean that we know it and that doesn't mean that we can trust it. 
Let me say this statement that I've heard a, a couple of times that, that I love, and it really kind of brings us all together for today. The heart cannot exalt what the mind rejects. Think about that for a minute. Because yes, there is a faith element to understanding and knowing and being equipped with the word of God, absolutely. But if your mind cannot accept it, this is just like, is how we are wired, okay? If your mind can't accept it, your heart cannot exalt it. The heart cannot exalt what the mind rejects. If your mind is rejecting it, your heart cannot exalt it. So as we get into these hot topics, this is the question we're gonna start with because this is the crux of, anything, of everything. How can we trust the Bible? How can we trust the Bible? This is a question that a lot of people are, are asking and Googling and seemingly finding their answer with a three-minute video on YouTube. How can we trust the Bible? It is the primary way that God teaches and encourages and guides us. And so with this being the crux of everything and, and, and us having to start from here because it, all the rest of the questions that we're gonna get into over the next few weeks, they fall apart if, this, if, if, if we don't answer this one first. They all fall apart if we don't start here. So this is why we're starting here. Our view of the Bible is important as well. Our view of the Bible, meaning if someone's starting place is that the Bible is just a fairy tale for adults um, and that it's mostly allegories and stories that are just like good morals and just good teaching, then, then we need to start there because that's not what the Bible teaches about itself. And it's not what we believe as followers of Jesus. So we're going to dive into this question today, but, um, but this is not going to be an exhaustive answer, just so you know. Um, there, there are, I, I, this could be a question that we could talk about for the next year and a half. All right, with all of the things that's in here. We're not gonna definitively answer this question for you in terms of a black and white answer. But you know what? That's actually a great thing about all of these questions that we're gonna look at and actually about the world in which we live. Too many times as believers, I think, we have fallen into the place of thinking that everything has to have a black and white answer. And that's not really true about scripture and about hardly any of the questions other than really like the main fundamentals of the faith. There's a lot of gray area and so there's not going to be maybe a completely exhaustive, definitive answer for you in all of these questions over the next couple of weeks. There's going to be some areas where you're going to have to really ask the Lord, where, where are you at in this? Or make up your mind for yourself about some of these things, because I'm not going to be able to give you a definitive, like, stake in the ground on some things. Some things I am. Some things we're going to be able to. So as we dive into this, just know that, and that's okay. Because part of our faith journey is growing in those areas. So we believe that God's word has the power to change and transform lives. We believe that. I believe this. It's hanging up on the wall as one of our core beliefs. It's in our bylaws. We believe this. Why can we say this? Why can we say, and this is what it says straight from our bylaws, we believe that the Bible is, is the inspired word of God, inerrant in its original manuscripts, and is reliable in numerous modern translations. The Bible is our supreme and final authority in faith and life. And so the word believe there can really mean trust as well. But that trust comes from evidence. That trust comes from evidence. That's not just a flowery statement that sounds good. There's evidence behind that. There are reasons for faith and there's reasons to believe and trust in scripture. And we're gonna look at a couple of those here in, in just a minute because we can be confident I believe that we can be confident in the word of God. And so let me begin answering this question with this. I wasn't there 
when the Bible uh, stories happened. You weren't there either. I wasn't there when scripture was written and neither were you and neither was any other person on this earth. None of us were there when any of this actually happened. So let's break down a few elements that can bring us to the best explanation based on the evidence, all right? We're gonna, in some ways, take a little bit of a scientific method here. What's the best explanation based on the evidence? And we're not gonna get into a, a, a ton of it, but there's enough that I, that I think is, is very interesting. And so we're gonna answer this question with three questions. Number one, is it accurate? Number two, is it reliable? And number three, is it relevant? I think if we can answer those three questions, that we can have a lot of confidence in the word of God. And there's a lot of time we could spend on all of them. So let's start with, is it accurate? Is the Bible accurate? Well, the Bible says it is, so it is. End of, end of question, right? No, listen, that's an awful answer. I, I can't stand that answer. That's not good enough in a world that sees the Bible as no different than the Odyssey or the Lord of the Rings or a tabloid at the supermarket, right? You, you can't just say, well, it's accurate because the Bible says it's accurate. Do I believe that? Yes, but there's gotta be a whole lot more to that. That's not a good answer to just say because the Bible said so. That's an awful answer, okay? Especially if you're looking at somebody that's skeptical and doesn't even believe it from the beginning. So we have to be sure that it's the same message today that the authors wrote down originally, right? That's a great place to start. So Let's do some comparison here of some ancient documents. I want to look at a few ancient documents, and let's, and let's take the exact same method and look at them and do some compare and contrast here, okay? Let's look at this first one, Plato, the Republic. This is something that you learn about in school. We've all heard of Plato, and I'm not talking like the dough that you make stuff out of. I'm talking a dude named Plato, all right? Um, so 400 BCE is when this was written. BCE means? Before Common Era. There you go. And CE means? Common era. common era. Just so that we're all clear. All right. So BCE. Earliest copy we have is from the 9th century CE, right? So it'd be around 900 our time, like we're living in 2022 CE. Um, span of about 1,300 years between when it was written and the earliest copy that we have. That's a long time. There's only seven copies that exist of that. There's only seven. All right, let's look at the next one. Julius Caesar, the Gaelic Wars. 100 BCE is about when it was written. Earliest copy we have is from around the same time as the previous one, 9th century CE. Time span of about 1,000 years between the original and the copy that we have, right? The copy. 10 copies, only 10 copies exist. Let's look at the next one. Homer's the Iliad. Date that it was written, 800 BCE. Earliest copy we have is 400 BCE. All right, so time span of about 400 years in between. That's not bad, right? We've got 643 copies that exist of that. Okay, a little, little bit better, 95% accurate to each other. All of those copies, they're about 95% accurate, one, one to the other. So here's the thing, no one doubts the accuracy of these documents. When you're in school and you learn about these things in science or in conversations with someone, that's never a thing that's brought up. Nobody ever goes, well, I, I doubt these are accurate. Like nobody, I, I don't think Plato actually existed. Like nobody brings that up. Nobody says that. 
but this is the evidence that we have, right? And believe me, and you may say, well, the Bible brings up a lot of moral issues and a lot of different things in there that are really kind of, have you read any of these other documents? Because there are plenty of moral issues and controversial things and perspectives in those documents as well. So now let's take the exact same methodology and let's compare that now to the New Testament. Let's look at the New Testament here. Data was written between 50 and 100 CE. All right. Earliest copy we have is 125 CE, which is a time span of 25 years. 25 years. Now, of any of those previous ones, do you think that there were any eyewitnesses to the actual writing of, say, Homer's Iliad that were alive? No, not of those earliest copies. But do you think there was anybody actually alive at this time? Yeah. Actual eyewitnesses wrote it. Time span of about 25 years. We have 24,000 plus copies of the New Testament, 99.5% accurate to each other. That's pretty good. That's, and if, if I may say so, better, all right? Let's look at the Old Testament now because that's, that's way older, way older. All right, written around 400 BCE is when it was maybe completed-ish. Earliest copy we have is from 900 CE. So time span of 1,300 years, that's a long time. That's a long time for things to maybe get changed or you know, some perspectives to get thrown in there that are like personal perspectives. I don't know if we can really trust the reliability going back and forth there. But have you ever heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls? Anybody ever heard of that? 1947 is when those were discovered. And that changed this because that was a bunch of copies of the Old Testament that were found. And so that changes this to this. The earliest copy we have is 300 BCE now, which is only a time span of about 100 years from when the last copy was written. Go to the next one for me. 17,000 plus copies exist, 95% accurate to each other. And really the biggest differences in terms of the accuracy, almost all of them are spelling issues. Not in terms of like, you know, what it's actually saying or meaning, or even wrong words, anything along that line. Most of the differences are in spelling. The Bible is the most accurately preserved and verified document of the ancient world. And that statement is not based on my own personal bias. That's not based on my upbringing or the fact that I'm an ordained minister of the gospel. The evidence points to the best explanation here. And using identical methods of proof, we can definitively say that. Not, none of that stuff has anything to do with personal opinion. Let me tell you about how scribes would actually transcribe, because like they didn't have copy machines, you know what I mean? It's not like somebody was like, hey, can you go run me like a thousand copies of Isaiah? You know, or whatever. Like, they didn't do that. They had scribes and people like their only job was to transcribe the word of God and they would set one side by side and they would copy it next to each other. But when I say copy it, they didn't copy word for word. They copied letter for letter. One letter, one letter. One letter, one letter. That's how they would transcribe the word. And there's much more details even than that about the scribes. They took this very, very, very seriously. And if there were more than three mistakes, they would throw the whole thing away and start over. So trust me when I tell you that this is accurate. <laughs> the, these are accurate. 
but is it reliable? So is it reliable? So we've looked at the accuracy. Is it reliable? Is it a reliable source of information about the world? Well, we have to look at a couple of things when we go to answer this question because um, the Bible is made up of different types of literature. It's made up of poetry, history, biography, uh, letters, apocalyptic, uh, and more. So to really compare it to, say, something like Homer's Iliad or something like that is not, uh, is not a great, um, great comparison in terms of the... Um, reliability of it and, and what it's addressing because some of the things in the Bible are meant to be literal and some of them are not. Um, it's not meant to be a scientific journal, though a lot of people like to compare it in that way. And again, we're going to talk about that in a few weeks, but it's not meant to be a book of science. It's not meant to be a scientific journal. So sometimes we're asking science questions to the Bible that we shouldn't even be asking. It's not even, it's not even the right question to ask of the Bible because it wasn't written for that. Um, but I will say that the best evidence points to an intelligent designer and a creator um, that has a, a rational mind. So again, we're going to talk about that more. But there are a lot of serious scientists that you've heard of that... Um, that fall into the category of believing in the, in the accuracy and reliability of the word of God, such as Isaac Newton, Francis Bacon, Galileo, uh, Charles Babbage. And there's many right now in our modern era, in our modern time, that do as well. And there are also many historians and archaeologists that recognize the Bible as a source of reliable historical information. Keep in mind, though, that statement does not mean that they believe all of uh, the claims that the Bible has. That's a different question. Um, that's just a piece of the equation, but it's a start there. Um, the Bible is a great reference tool, though, for these people, and they use it in that way. So from a reliability standpoint, um, you know, you look at people that are way smarter than all of us, and they're saying that they can rely on it in these ways, but let's look at a, another comparison here. We've heard of Alexander the Great, right? You've heard of Alexander the Great. 4th century BCE, when he was from. Um, first biography written about him came 400 years after his death. 400 years after his death was when the first biography was written about him. I'm sure those were eyewitness accounts. Maybe not. I'm, I feel pretty confident they probably weren't. But nobody questions whether Alexander the Great was a real dude. Like, nobody's like, I don't think he really existed. Granted, there are many more reasons for that other than just one biography, and I understand that. But let's look at Jesus for a second. All right, Jesus Christ, first century BCE. First biography written about him was written 30 years after his death and resurrection. You think there were eyewitnesses that wrote that one? Absolutely there were. The Gospels are eyewitness accounts. Um, there are also non-biblical um, historians such as Josephus and Pliny the Younger, that recorded elements of Jesus' life. Those are extra-biblical texts. There is more evidence for Jesus within and within the Bible than almost any other person from this time period. Time magazine in 1995 actually made this statement. They said, reputable scholars now believe that the New Testament account is reliable history. That's Time magazine. Granted, that was a while ago, but... Archaeology continues, though, to provide us with a lot of external evidence and reliable artifacts that support uh, the biblical narrative. Uh, things that, that were in question that aren't anymore uh, are things like Abraham, 
the Hittite people, uh, Nazareth, Pontius Pilate, and even Jesus himself, they've all been affirmed by archaeological discoveries over the last 50 to 100 years. There are some really cool videos, by the way, on Right Now Media that talk about this. So if you don't have a subscription to Right Now Media, go to our website and, and get on there. We've actually made a playlist under the Connect Church page that's called Hot Topics, where we're going to be throwing in some video series in there that relate to what we're talking about on Sundays. And there's a few I threw in there that talk specifically about this, as well as the entire topic that we're looking at today. So I would encourage you to go, uh, to go check that out. But we can trust the Bible that it's reliable from just some of those things. And again, there are plenty of other things to, to look at and to dive into, and I would encourage you to do that. But is it relevant? This is really, in many ways, comes down to the, to the heart of it. Is it relevant to you and to me? Is a 2,000-year-old book still relevant? Does it still speak into my life today? Does it speak into our lives today? Does it even relate to us, considering that the world has changed so much since it was originally written? And that's a great question. Those are great questions. And culturally, there is certainly some pushback here. And I won't argue that. There's definitely some pushback culturally on some of those things in terms of the relevancy of some of the stories and, and all of that. But, but the deepest questions of humanity, those have not changed. Those will not change. The deepest questions that we have, is there a higher power? Where did all of this come from? Right? What, how does it, what's the prime reality? We go back to what? Everything goes back to something. Where, where do we land on that? What happens when we die? What is the purpose of life? These are questions that are overarching over, over culture that will be questions that human beings will have until Jesus returns. And the Bible speaks into these questions in ways that nothing else can. Because its claims and its message, the Bible has drawn more attention and more study than any other book in history. It's the best-selling book of all time. That's it, still to this day. It's the best-selling book of all time. It's the reason the printing press was invented. I learned that in art school. Like, they actually taught us that. You know, that that's the reason, that, that was the crux behind why they invented the printing press was because they wanted to print the Bible. In some ways, this is a question though that you need to answer for yourself in terms of is it relevant? Because I can say it's relevant to me, but you may not feel like it's relevant to you in some ways. And there's just... These are just a few reasons why that, that we've gotten into here, why, why I believe that we can say that it's accurate and it's reliable. But the relevancy part, the relevancy part in some ways is between you and God. It's a question you need to answer for yourself. But God's word has the power to change and transform lives. I've seen it. Amen. I've been a part of it. It's done it for me. I know it's done it for many of you in here and many of you watching online. But let me just say this, that I believe based on the evidence that the best explanation is this, that the Bible is unparalleled in accuracy of transmission. It is unequaled as a reliable source of information. And it is unsurpassed in its continuing relevance to readers throughout the centuries. And because of those things, because of those reasons and much more study that I've done personally, that again, we, we can't get into here, into all of that here. And I hope that you've done a lot of study personally. And maybe you're still looking into that. Man, I... 
Still to this day, I, I will read a passage that I've read maybe a hundred times and it'll speak to me in a way that I've just never been hit before. Only the word of God can do that. But other questions I've wrestled with in my life and other questions about how we can trust the Bible that really fall into the three categories, I believe that the Bible is the word of God. And that is a powerful statement, that the Bible is the word of God. And what that really means, we believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God and it is inerrant in its original autographs and manuscripts. It's reliable in numerous modern translations. It's our supreme and final authority in our faith, in our life, and it remains the primary way that God teaches us, encourages us, and guides us as humanity. It was written by 40 different men on three different continents over the course of 1,300 years, and it completely agrees with itself. And it has one message, and that message is the never-ending love of God for humanity. And that's an amazing thing. The book of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says this. The word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and our desires. So here's a challenge for you. You may be new to faith. You maybe don't have it all together. You don't have it all figured out, and that's cool, because neither do I. I'm still figuring some things out. I'm still learning things. The Bible still continues to teach me things. But we need to keep asking questions. We need to grow together. We need to continue to grow together because we're not meant, excuse me, we're not meant to do this on our own. We need to continue to grow together because salvation, giving your life to Jesus, giving your life over to Jesus, that's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. Too many times I think we think that that's the end of the journey and it's not even close. You don't have to know all of this stuff. I don't even actually know, know all of it. I have notes <laughs> because I can't remember all of it all the time. But you don't have to know all of this stuff to be a follower of Jesus. You might have some serious questions about scripture. Great, awesome, let's, let's ask them. I know I didn't touch on all of the, the real hard questions. I touched on some of them, but I, we don't have time to, to touch on every single tough question about the reliability and accuracy of scripture. I get that, but you know what? Let's ask them, let's talk about them. It's okay, you may not trust all of it yet. Cool, it's okay. Let's do it. You know who else I don't think trusted all of it either? Right at the beginning was the Apostle Paul. On the road to Damascus, all he knew was that he knew who Jesus was. He didn't have all of his questions answered right away. But he gave his life to Jesus right in that way. So let me say this. The Bible, it is alive and it moves in amazing ways because it's one of God's main methods of communication to us. So don't just read the Bible let the Bible read you. Let the Bible read you. And if you don't know what that means, let me encourage you to just really take some time every day and, and read scripture. Quiet your mind, quiet your heart, pray, read, think, write, do. For those of you that watch Coffee with Connect, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Use that five-step method and let the Bible read you. Pray, read, think, write, do. You will find the word of God speaking to you in ways that maybe you've never heard or never seen before. As Christians, when we read the Bible in community with the Holy Spirit speaking to us and through us, 
we can trust that God has inspired and preserved the message that is in there and that it is accurate, that it is reliable, and it is relevant to our life. But that's only the first step. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to read us, to speak into us as we read the scriptures, to let the light shine into maybe the dark areas of our life that we've been reluctant to let God speak into and shine through. I'm telling you, that's exactly what that verse in Hebrews is talking about when it talks about cutting into, into the, to the marrow, into the joints of our life, into the dark areas that maybe we don't let God into, into the sin that we're, that we're holding back, that our secret sins that we're keeping away from everybody that, that we maybe allow the Lord to speak into there so that we can be transformed and become more like Jesus. And so the connection point for the day is that we need to live in the confidence of God's word. We need to live in the confidence of God's word. Don't just be confident in God's word. You can. You can be confident in God's word. I, I feel confident saying that. You can be confident in God's word, but live in that confidence. There's a difference. There's a difference. When we live in the confidence of God's word, as believers, we can be confident that the message of scripture, it is accurate, it is reliable, and it is relevant to our life. So let's live in that confidence. I want you to look at one more verse in the gospel of John. And at the end of John's gospel, which in many ways, the reason for him writing that gospel, he puts right here, and it's the reason for all of scripture. And it's this, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. You may have life in his name, and that's the reason for scripture. The point of scripture is to point to who Jesus is so that you may believe and find life in his never-ending love for you. And in the end, deciding whether the Bible is accurate, reliable, and relevant, it's just a means toward a more important question. Is Jesus accurate, reliable, and relevant to you? Is Jesus accurate, reliable, and relevant to you? I think the most important question Jesus ever asked was this. When he asked his disciples, he said, who do you say that I am? Because that, everything stems from that. It's the question that changes everything. This question, the answer to this question in your life, not the person, don't worry about the person next to you or, or whatever. Think about you, you and Jesus for a second. Can you say in your life that Jesus is accurate, reliable, and relevant in your life? Because the answer to this question changes everything. And if you're not a Christian, if you're not a follower of Jesus, let this discussion challenge you to consider who exactly Jesus is in your life. Who is Jesus to you? Because this is a question that every human being who's ever lived and will live and is living now is going to have to answer one day. I believe that. That is the question that brings meaning to all of the other questions in life. All of the other questions that we're going to talk about come back to this. Who is Jesus to you? We can know through the inspired word of God.
Will you bow your heads? You may still have some tough questions and some hard questions about the Bible. You may have some things that I, I didn't even touch on. Maybe I haven't even thought of. That's great. Let's talk. Let's ask them. Let's talk after. Maybe shoot me an email this week, whatever that might look like. Talk to somebody that's, that's here that you know. Dive into them together. It's okay to ask questions. But we need to engage in some of these hot topics so that we can make a difference for the kingdom of God. If you've never given your life to Jesus, God created you to be with him. And he wants nothing more than to have a relationship with you, but because of our sin, we're separated from him. But according to the reliable word of God, we know, and, and because of history, we know that Jesus came to this earth. He died on a cross. He paid the price for you and for me, and he rose from the grave on the third day. We have reliable historical information about that as well. We know that he's alive and he's coming back to get us one day. And he came so that you can have life and that you can know for 100% sure that you're gonna be with him in heaven. And if you wanna know more about that, if you wanna pray about that, I would love to talk with you. Love to meet you at the orange wall to talk about that. Show you more in God's word about how you can know for sure that you're gonna be with him forever. Jesus, I love you. I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for the accuracy of your word, for the way that you preserved it. I thank you for the reliability of scripture that we can have confidence that, that what's in there is what was intended for us to hear. Jesus, I thank you that, that it is still relevant to our life. And Father, I know that there are some people here, some people watching that still have questions about those things. And that's okay. I pray that they would ask them. I pray that they would not just walk out of here with them hanging or shut off the live stream with those questions hanging, that they would actually dive into them. That they would continue seeking and searching for your truth in their life. Holy Spirit, I pray nothing would stand in the way of, of those that, that are maybe trying to make a decision to give their life to you today. Father, I pray that your spirit would continue to move in a powerful way through us. Lord, use us as the church to connect more people to you and help us to live in the confidence of your word as we go out into a world that needs you more than ever. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.